RTHK, the news at 11 o'clock with Andrew Shirovsky. Tonight's headlines. A top respiratory medicine specialist warns of a possible flu outbreak. Now the mask mandate has been scrapped. Medical experts say it's more important than ever that people make sure they've had enough COVID jabs. And the government is outraged over another anthem blunder at an international sporting event. A respiratory medicine expert has warned that the end of mandatory masking makes a flu outbreak much more likely. Speaking on an RTHK program, Leung Chi Chu said younger children would be especially vulnerable as they hadn't had an opportunity to build immunity to influenza. He urged parents to get flu jabs for their kids. In the past three years, the flu has almost disappeared in Hong Kong. Some, especially children under the age of six, have either never been exposed to the flu at all, or even if they have been exposed, the likelihood of catching it is small. In this case, their immunity to influenza is relatively low, and we have to be careful. Even though schools do not require masks now, it's best for everyone to give themselves an adaptation period. Masks may be out, but medical experts say now is more important than ever for people to keep up with their COVID jabs. Again, stressing the point that it would prevent hospitalization and death. Big data analysis by the University of Hong Kong's Faculty of Medicine shows three jabs of either Sinovac or BioNTech can reduce the COVID death rate for elderly patients by nearly 100%. Professor Ian Wong heads the pharmacology department there. In general, we see that the BioNTech is more effective than the Sinovac. However, that's one thing that's very important. We also noticed the demographic detail between the two groups are quite different. We found out that the more elderly uh, patients actually go for the Sinovac. More younger people actually go for the BioNTech. So that may also explain the slight difference between the two vaccinations. But the bottom line, the take-home message is both of them can actually prevent the serious outcomes, i.e. death or a severe disease from the COVID. Hong Kong people got their first opportunity to go mask-free in public for more than two and a half years. RTHK reporters around town this morning noted that the overwhelming majority of MTR commuters continued to wear masks. Outdoors, about half the people have taken up the option to go maskless. One of those going without a mask in Mongkok was Ms. Leung. It's great to see human faces again, and it's great to see people smiling on the street. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I put some thoughts into which lipstick I wear, and uh, I, I put extra effort on my makeup because it's my first day. A catering sector representative says many restaurant workers are keeping their masks on. Howie Wong is from the Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. It really differs on uh, the different types of areas they are working in. So mostly we, we still see a lot of the uh, restaurant workers still wearing masks, especially uh, waiters or people that are working in, in the kitchen. But uh, because, you know, there is still, um, you know, in, in terms of hygiene uh, and also they you know, maybe <laughs> are, are used to wearing masks already. So, uh, and it's also a good way to let uh, customers feel more safe inside the restaurant. The government has expressed outrage after a blunder at an ice hockey match in Bosnia saw an incorrect song played in place of the national anthem. Violet Wong has the details. Instead of playing March of the Volunteers, organizers of the Ice Hockey World Championship played a song linked to the protests in 2019 after the SAL's team took on Iran. Hong Kong athletes gestured with their hands for the organizers to stop and prompted them to play the right song. That's in line with guidance issued by the government after previous anthem blunders before international rugby games. 
In a statement, the administration said it strongly deplored the mistake, though it recognizes that the Hong Kong players had upheld national dignity by acting immediately. It said it attaches great importance to the incident and has asked the local sports federation and Olympic committee to conduct an in-depth investigation and submit a report as soon as possible. And to the weather forecast, it'll be fine and dry with some haze at first. Temperatures in the region of 17 to 23 degrees tomorrow with light winds at first becoming moderate northeasterlies tomorrow morning and strengthening gradually from the east later. The outlook windy at first on Friday, but mainly fine and dry over the weekend and early next week. The temperature difference between day and night will be quite large. Currently at the observatory, it's 19 degrees with the relative humidity standing at 78%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is now five minutes past 11. Penny's Bay on Lantau, Hong Kong's last remaining community isolation center for COVID patients, has officially closed its doors. Officials held a ceremony to mark the shutting down of the facility, which has seen a total of about 270,000 people spending time there. Wendy Wong reports. At the ceremony, workers put up a sign with the worst mission accomplished for the Penny's Bay Isolation Facility and placed a large paper cutout of a padlock on the main entrance of the facility to symbolize its closure. Under Secretary for Security Michael Chirk thanked workers who operated the centre since it opened in July 2020. He hailed government departments and contractors, which helped to maintain the site, which at its busiest accommodated 8,000 people at the same time. Mr. Chuck and the patients had received good care at Penny's Bay. Here I can see Hong Kong as a place where the people are united and nothing is impossible. This site used to be barren land. And then somewhere no one was willing to come. I have heard of people trying to escape on their way here. Now we're shutting it down, but people are calling us saying they want to come. The Civil Aid Services Chief Staff Officer, Leung Kun Hong, who also attended the ceremony, recalled how government units had worked closely to admit patients quickly and cater to their needs. The Penny's Bay site was initially a quarantine facility for close contacts of COVID patients, but was later used to accommodate those who caught the virus and showed mild symptoms. People who are infected with COVID-19 are no longer required to be isolated after authorities lifted that rule at the end of January. The Customs Department says they will step up inspections for contraband after reporting a surge in drug trafficking cases in 2022. Officers say they seized seven tons of drugs last year involving smuggling via cargo and passenger channels, a 70% jump from the year before. As Adao explains, the announcement comes as tourism resumes and inbound travelers return to the SAR. At a press conference, the department said it expects to find more drugs on passengers. In response, it said anti-smuggling teams will be deployed to border checkpoints. Commissioner of Customs and Excise Louis Ho said that in 2021, the department detected a few cases involving only 3 kilograms of drugs on passengers alone. But last year, Ms. Ho said that should up to 25 kilograms. She also said officials are working on plans to take on parallel trading between Hong Kong and the mainland. Recently, we had a meeting uh, with the mainland customs. Both Hong Kong customs and mainland customs pay special attention to the potential rise of parallel trading activities after the resumption of uh, cross-boundary travel. We have formulated an operational plan against uh, parallel trading activities, especially on the syndicate level. 
Ms. Ho added that her department will do more to combat the smuggling of illicit cigarettes after officers seized a record-breaking 730 million of those in 2022. She said it's important to step up law enforcement after Financial Secretary Paul Chen announced in his budget last week that the duty on each cigarette would rise by 60 cents. Factory activity on the mainland has surged to its highest level in more than a decade as the end of COVID restrictions helped fuel the world's second largest economy. The Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index, or PMI, stood at 52.6 in February, up from 50.1 the month before. The Chaisin PMI was also higher, rising to 51.6 from 49.2 in January for its first increase in seven months. The 50-point mark separates expansion and contraction. China has lashed out at a new U.S. congressional committee dedicated to countering Beijing. It wants committee members to ditch their ideological bias and zero-sum Cold War mentality. Wendy Wong has more. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Mao Ning says the House Select Committee on the Communist Party must view China and China-U.S. relations in an objective and rational light. The spokeswoman says the committee must stop framing China as a threat by using disinformation and stop trying to score political points at the expense of bilateral relations. On the controversy involving TikTok, Ms. Mao says a ban on its use by official European Union institutions will harm business confidence in Europe. The European Parliament, the European Commission and the EU Council have banned the video-sharing app from being installed on official devices. Ms. Mao says the move unreasonably suppressed other countries' companies on the grounds of national security and called on the EU to provide an open and non-discriminatory business environment for all firms. The Greek Prime Minister is visiting the site of last night's train crash in which at least 36 people were killed. Kyriakos Mitsotakis promised to get to the bottom of the tragedy. Just before midnight, a passenger train from Athens collided head-on with a freight train near the city of Larissa. Ianis Antonugu was on the train. People were panicking, were screaming. Some people were afraid that they were going to die. We could see that we had collided with some some other industrial train. Like we could see big pieces of metal essentially trying to go through our windows. As soon as I got off the train, maybe 10 minutes after the crash, I went on foot to the front to the first carriages, which were completely totaled and on fire. It was essentially only about five of us and by of us, I mean passengers helping another five injured people on the ground for at least an hour before the official help came. More than 60 people are in hospital, six of them in a critical condition. Nigeria's outgoing president, Muhammadu Buhari, has acknowledged that there were some technical issues with Saturday's election, but maintained that the electoral process was free and fair. He said the declared winner, Bola Tinubu, from the governing All Progressives Congress, was the best person for the job. In his victory address, Mr. Tinubu urged his rivals and the nation to unite. The BBC's Azizat Ola Oluru is in Lagos. Mr. Tinubu will be inheriting a country that is faced with many challenges. There is a struggling economy on one side, rising insecurity, rising inflation rate, and of course half of the population is multidimensionally poor. So many expect him to hit the ground running if he wants to solve many of these problems. There is almost every region in the country has one security issue or the other. And of course Nigeria is experiencing a naira scarcity that is hampering the lives of many people and also 
those small businesses. Thousands of protesters in Israel have blocked the main road from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem as the far-right-backed government continues to press ahead with its contentious plans to overhaul the judiciary. The BBC's Yolanda Nell reports from Jerusalem. Many protesters are carrying Israeli flags as they stop traffic on roads, hold up trains and join marches in cities across the country. Police have detained a number of people. The demonstrators claim that sweeping changes being pushed through Parliament undermine judicial independence and threaten democracy, while ministers argue their plans will restore balance between the branches of government. They've described the protesters as anarchists. Many of Israel's international allies have expressed concern about the new legislation, while in the country, an elite military intelligence unit has joined a growing list of army reservists threatening to refuse to perform reserve service in protest. Meanwhile, police in Israel say they've arrested another six suspects who were allegedly involved in a riot in the occupied West Bank earlier this week. And to sports. In the NBA, the Toronto Raptors have won their eighth game in the past 10 in a late-season playoff push. Pascal Siakam scored 20 points, and Gary Trent Jr. had 19 as the Raptors beat the Chicago Bulls 104-98. Sophomore Scotty Barnes slammed home a free-throw miss in the final seconds of the game to seal the Raptors' victory, their fourth straight win at home. Raptors coach Nick Nurse commended Barnes' contagious energy on the court. The best thing about it all was he was really competing, right? He was really digging in to try to get stops and compete, right? And you could just see that, and you could see that going, picking up as the game went on, especially in the fourth. He was really, I thought, inspirational to the other guys. And next to a blockbuster trade in the NHL, three-time Stanley Cup winner Patrick Kane of the Chicago Blackhawks has joined the New York Rangers in a three-way deal ahead of the trade deadline. The 34-year-old former number one pick is reuniting with star winger and his former teammate Artemi Panarin. The Rangers made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year and hope to do even better this year to try to win their first championship since 1994. French footballing legend Juste Fontaine has died at the age of 89. The Moroccan-born striker scored 13 times for France in the 1958 World Cup, the highest number of goals at a single tournament. The highest number of, uh, sorry, a record that still stands more than 60 years on. His feat at the finals in Sweden eventually brought him recognition from FIFA, who awarded him a golden boot in 2014. And finally, researchers examining the behavior of flamingos say birds choose to make friends with like-minded individuals within their flock. A study of captive flamingos showed that submissive flamingos tended to spend their time with fellow submissive birds. One of the researchers said the findings explained the proverb, birds of a feather flock together. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 Shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains Mark the end of day I'll hear you my dear, at twilight time. And here in Hong Kong, we are just about at the end of the day, and welcome to Twilight Time with me, Peter King. 45 minutes of music just to kick back and relax to, especially if you've had a bit of a day today. Plus, if you'd like to choose a song, it's Radio Pete at Gmail, the way to get in touch. First one tonight is for Jem and Mike Engelbert Humperdinck. Together. 
Every winter, every summer 